Welcome to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. Each week we'll hear God's Word explored by Dr. Henry M. Meadows Jr. as he preaches from the pulpit of Marian Baptist Church in Chatham, Virginia. We pray that this message will be a blessing and further your walk with God. Let's join him now. Heaven. So many of us say we're going there and so many of us want to go there, but we have such wrong ideas about it. Well, in this week's sermon, Dr. Kent Spann takes us to the Bible and talks to us about heaven. And he tells us exactly why that should be a goal for each one of us. No, it's not just going to be a boring worship service. It's going to be greater and far more better than eye has ever seen or ear has ever heard. I want to encourage you to listen in. And not only that, but listen in to the other four sermons that accompany this on our YouTube channel, Marion BCVA also. God bless you guys, and here's Dr. Spann. Well, how many of y'all like to go to movies? Anybody here like to go to the, the theater? Uh, Pre-COVID, everybody went. Now I know you go streaming, you got Hulu, you got Netflix, you got Amazon Prime, you got all that other stuff now. You don't need to go as much as you used to, but you know, one of the favorite things about going to a movie, you know the experience. You get there early. You get your big bucket of popcorn, right? And you get your big orange drink, and and you race into the theater room, get your best seat, because you know in only a matter of minutes you're going to see this wonderful sign, right? That's what you go to the theater for, right? You're looking forward to the previews, right? Right? Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's what we all go for. We all want to get there early. Now, if you're like me, I don't like the previews, or I say I don't like the previews. But for some reason, these idiots in Hollywood still create previews. And they always put them up there. And for some reason or another, my wife and I, when we go to the theater, manage to get there in time always so we can see the previews. Because why do the previews do? Why do they put those up there? Well, it's to kind of whet your appetite. It's to get you excited, anticipating what's coming up next so that you'll come back for more, right? I remember when Star Wars first came out and saw the first Star Wars, and then the first time they had the preview for the second installment of the Star Wars trilogy. And I remember the buzz, the excitement everybody had about Star Wars. I mean, people came out of the theater talking, not about the movie they just saw, but about the new Star Wars that was coming up. Because the preview is that it's just to really kind of whet your appetite so that you want a little more. Well, this week, that's what I hope to do for you. I hope to give you a little sneak preview of heaven of what heaven is going to be like. And certainly we're not going to be able to to give you everything in five to six hours. But I hope what I'm going to do is whet your appetite. In fact, if we took every single verse that there is in the Bible about heaven, and we spent hours studying each one of those verses, we would still only have a snippet. In fact, take your Bibles and uh, let's turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And then we'll get over to our main text in Philippians 4, or Philippians 3. But Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says, yet among, the, excuse me, yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. Verse 7. But 
we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So the context is understanding the crucifixion, but then he pulls out a verse that has wider application and applies it here. He says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, if we take this verse and apply it to heaven, we can understand that, that heaven is beyond anything that we could imagine. It's beyond the ability of the greatest poet to write the most beautiful prose trying to describe for us in word, wordsmithing, what heaven would be like. It's greater than anything that the best composer whether it's Handel or a contemporary today, could ever pen and write and uh, put to music so that we could understand heaven. It's greater than any person could ever describe, even this preacher today, because he says, no eye has seen nor ear heard what God has prepared for those that love Him. It is beyond anything that we can imagine. But he goes on to say this in verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Paul says that while you can't understand all there is to know, while I can't give you everything there is to know, God has revealed enough to us that we can, is it okay to say, chew on the cut a little bit with it? We, we can get everything that we can. God has given us enough that if we just spent time in that, we would be occupied until that time when we are actually in eternity. And so what we're going to be doing this week, as you turn to Philippians chapter 3, is that we're going to get a sneak preview of heaven. And what I want to do this morning is whet your appetite just a little bit so that you want more. Last night, by the way, if you didn't get notes, raise your hand. I think we got a few more coming in here uh, for that. But last night we got to go out to eat a great restaurant uh, and really enjoyed it. But it was fun because... Henry Creed was down at the end of the table. And Papa over there, who says he doesn't spoil the grandbaby, spoil the grandbaby. So he had what they call an Arnold Palmer, or we preachers call it a mixed drink. And uh, so he, he would get that little straw and scoop up some of it and put it over in, in Creed's mouth, like that. And, and no sooner did he get that straw out of there than what was Creed doing, he's going, more, I want more of it. And so he'd put a little more on there, and it wasn't too long before Creed wanted a little more. He, he, every little bit of it was like, I want a little more of this. Give me a little more. Well, that's what I hope we're going to do today and Monday night, or excuse me, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, because tonight we're going to talk about present heaven. Then Monday and Tuesday, we're going to do a deep dive into Revelation chapter 21, verse 22. We're going to talk about the eternal heaven, which we'll describe in a minute. We're going to answer questions like, hey, are there going to be animals there? Are there going to be plants there? Are there going to be trees there? What's it going to be like? What's the new heaven, new earth, and earth and heaven going to be all like? Are we going to be able to move around amongst all? We're going to answer a lot of those questions and or create more questions for you. I told uh, my brother, I said, either I'm going to create a revolt or a revival is going to break out when we talk 
about heaven because I'm going to challenge you to think about heaven in ways that you have never, listen to that word, imagined. Because what we've done in the church with heaven is we've, we've kind of stifled it. We've put it in this small, tight little container, and, and we've limited what our understanding of, of heaven really is. And God wants us to break out our imagination to understand what the glories of heaven is really going to be like. So Paul writes these words, Philippians chapter 3. And by the way, we did Philippians last year. I do not forget that I'm here to do what heaven. We're not going back to Philippians. But this morning we are going to use this passage because to me it is the best passage in all the Bible to really set the tone for what we're going to be talking about. Paul writes these words, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. I love the way Eugene Peterson says it in the message, but there's far more to life for us. We're citizens of high heaven. We're awaiting the arrival of the Savior, the Master, Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own. Hallelujah. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which He is putting everything as it should be under and around Him. There's far more life for us. We are citizens of heaven. So this morning, I want to lay out three goals that I have for our time together over Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. And I do hope that you will carve out that time to be with us because I believe that you're really going to be blessed. Three goals from this text this morning, first of all, is that we will have a greater heavenly allegiance. That we're going to have a greater heavenly allegiance. Look what he says. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven. Paul takes a word under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and drops it into this text to a congregation that would really grab hold of what he was saying. Because if you remember last year when we were together, the Philippian city, the city of Philippi, was a Roman colony. And William Barclay describes that for us. I put it in your notes there. It says, here was a picture the Philippians could understand. Philippi was a Roman colony. Here and there at strategic military centers, the Romans set down their colonies. In such places, the citizens were mostly soldiers who had served their time, 21 years, not four, 21, and who had been rewarded with full citizenship. The great characteristics of these colonies was that wherever they were, they remained fragments of Rome. Roman dress was worn. Roman magistrates governed. The Latin tongue was spoken. Roman justice was administered. Roman morals were observed. Even in the ends of the earth, they remained unshakably Roman. Paul says to these Philippians, just as the Roman colonists never forget that they belonged to Rome, you must never forget that you are citizens of heaven and your conduct must match your citizenship. 
You see, as Paul dropped this word into this text, and these people read that, their minds immediately went to their relationship with Rome and and what their citizenship meant for them. And I want to kind of lift that out for us this morning, that like with them, our heavenly citizenship should define us. Our heavenly citizenship should define us. You see, if you were to ask a Philippian who they were or what kingdom they were a part of, they would proudly say, I am a Roman citizen. They were defined by their citizenship. It's like we kind of do that. If you go over to Europe somewhere and they ask you where you're from, you say, I'm an American. It, it defines who you are. And so your language, your nuances, the things that you do, the sayings that you have, it, it begins to describe and define who you are. Everything about these people was defined by their citizenship in Philippi. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to understand that as believers, heaven should define us. Can I get an amen on that? Heaven should de- define us. Like Jesus when he stood before Pilate, and Pilate said, I understand you're a king. Tell me about your kingdom. And Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. This is not my kingdom. I'm residing here, but this is not my kingdom. This is not my home, so to speak. The same thing for us, that we are defined by heaven. It is our tattoo. It is our birthmark. It is emblazoned across our foreheads that if we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, heaven is our home. Come on, sister. I'm waiting. I was waiting on Miss Linda. I was looking for her to come through for me back there. Heaven is our home, and, and our citizenship is there. Yeah, we, we have a thing in our vault or wherever. It's a piece of paper that says, I am a citizen of the United States. But ladies and gentlemen, our names are written somewhere else better than that. They are written in the Lamb's book of life that I am a citizen of the heavenly kingdom. And it defines who we are. It defines how we act. In fact, it, it says there that our heavenly allegiance should direct us. Because you see, to be a Roman, if you go to the next slide, uh, to be a Roman meant that you acted a certain way because it defines who you are. It defines how you act. It directs what you do. So our heavenly allegiance directs us. To be a Roman, there was a code of conduct. There were things that you did. There were things that you didn't do. In fact, Marcus Aurelius, an emperor, said this, concentrate every minute like a Roman. Like a man on doing what's in front of you with precise and genuine seriousness, tenderly, willingly, with justice. In other words, as a Roman citizen, it was not to be something they did occasionally. They were to concentrate every moment, think every moment, what does it mean for me to be a Roman citizen? How does a Roman citizen act? Brothers and sisters, we should be concentrating every moment and thinking about what it means for us to be a citizen of heaven. Every day, every way I would wake up and say, you know, it's good to be in the United States of America, but my citizenship is in heaven. I put my feet down on American soil, but my heart is in my heavenly home. Colossians 3 says this, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on 
things above, not on things that are on this earth. Now, he's not saying we can't enjoy earth, and we'll talk about that. When you really have an understanding of what heaven is going to be like, you'll have a greater appreciation of what's happening here on planet earth right now. But what he is saying is that our focus is there. That's where our focus is. That's where we need to concentrate. But it also sets the parameters of our obedience. Because you see, for a Roman soldier or a Roman, they would take an oath called a sacramentum. And it was an oath of allegiance to the council, the commanding officers, and to maintain and exercise discipline. Ladies and gentlemen, when you and I accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we swore an oath of obedience to our King. And He's the King of heaven. That's where our citizenship is. It doesn't matter what anybody around here says in America. What matters is what the King says because that's where our heavenly citizenship is. Amen? That's where our focus is. So it, it defines who we are. It, it directs how we live. But then I want to point out also, our heavenly allegiance should delight us. It should delight us. For a true Roman, they delighted in being in Rome. It was something they took pleasure in. And shouldn't we be delighted as well? I, I mean, sometimes when you hear people talk about it, well, you know, someday I'm going to die and go to heaven. Like, it's going to be horrible. I'm going to leave here. I, I want to be here, they're saying. And, and heaven is going to be this horrible, boring, tedious place that I'm going to be resigned. That's not what Jesus said. When the disciples went out on a preaching mission, they came back and they went, wow, Lord, look at all these things we did. We cast out demons. We preached the word. People got saved. Exciting things were happening on this mission trip. They were so pumped up. And here's what Jesus said to them. He said to them this. He said, don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He says, that's what gives you joy. All this other stuff, yeah, it's great, it's fantastic. Uh, being able to preach and sing and all these other things. But, but the fact is that our names are written in heaven. And so my first goal for us this week is that we will live more like heavenly citizens than ever before. That we will practice our heavenly citizenship right here right now. That's my goal for us this week. It's been my goal throughout this whole study to try to live more heavenly. But then second of all is that we will have a greater heavenly anticipation. That we'll have a greater heavenly anticipation. Look again verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await. Now I shared in the first service this morning that I am not a patient person. I, I get rather impatient. Yesterday we were driving in, and I live in the city. And I'm on these back roads. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? Uh-huh. I got behind some grandpa, and I hope it wasn't one of you. But we're going up and over the hill. Yeah. And I'm sitting there right on the bumper of that car right in front of me. I'm going, come on. i, I got to find a place to pass. But all you have is these things called rolling hills. There ain't no place to pass around here. 
And so I'm forced to ride behind this place, and my wife says, it's going to be okay, honey. It's going to be okay. That's my sweet Cindy over there. Because I don't like to wait. If there are two cars in the McDonald's, I'm gone. I'm gone. I ain't going to hang around there. If there's a line, my dad used to say, the way you know if a restaurant is good is if there is a long line. I'm saying that must be a good restaurant, but it ain't good for me. Because I don't like to wait. This week, I'm going to go to y'all's McDonald's because I heard you got to wait there. And I'm going to go learn patience. Amen? But, but I don't like to wait. But, but, but look at what he's saying here. Is we can't wait. We await. That word is pregnant with meaning. This, this is not that impatient kind of, oh dear, i got to wait, i got to wait. This is the excitement. It's the excitement of Mallory getting ready to have this little baby, the anticipation of this little one coming in. All of you have been through that uh, if you have children. The excitement, the anticipation that you're looking so forward to it. Marvin Vincent, the great Greek scholar, says it denotes the withdrawal of attention from everything else that is inferior. I got grandbabies. And, and Hank, I have to tell you, mine are the most beautiful grandbabies in all the world. I knew I'd get an argument on that, but everybody thinks that. And you know, sometimes, you know, I work 60 hours a week and life is fast paced and it's busy and it's hard. But I want to tell you something. When my little Jojo walks in the room, that's my Joella. And he says, Papa, I love you. Everything else fades away. You know what I'm talking about? It just You're just sitting there going, all that stuff? <laughs> nah, it don't matter right now. This is the only thing that matters. And, and what Paul is saying here with this particular word is, man, everything else, when you think about what's waiting us, is inferior. I, I love the way, again, the message translation, and we're going to look at this passage tonight in 2 Corinthians, but let me read it to you. 2 Corinthians 5, 1-5, through it says, For instance, we know that when these bodies of ours are taken down like tents and folded away, they will be, listen to this, replaced by resurrection bodies in heaven, God-made, not handmade. And we'll never have to relocate our tents again. Sometimes we can hardly wait to move, and so we cry out in frustration. Compared to what's coming, living, listen to this, I love this. Compared to what's coming, living conditions around here seems like a stopover in an unfurnished shack. And we're tired of it. We've been given a glimpse of the real thing, our true home, our resurrection body. The Spirit of God whets our appetite by giving a taste of what's ahead. He puts a little of heaven in our hearts so that we'll never settle for less. Let me tell you what happened to you when you got saved. God put a little of the heaven. In fact, the Bible says that you have been seated in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Have you ever understood what that means? Literally, you're not there yet. Physically, you're not. You know you're sitting right here in this room. But what it means is that God has placed you under His authority, His kingship, so that you're already beginning to experience just a wee bit of what it's going to be like for us for the rest of glory. He's put a little taste so that you'll say, man, why do I want to stay in this little shack? How many of you have ever been on a plane flight? Oh, good. A lot of you have. 
I'm going to share with you the favorite word of every person that flies. Layover. Right? You're in Phoenix, Arizona, and you're trying to get back here to Richmond, Virginia. And you jump on your plane, and it lays over in uh, Dallas, Texas. And then it lays over in Atlanta. You went on Delta, right? And, and then it finally gets you home to Richmond. Now, layovers aren't altogether bad, because you, you may say, well, I'd like to maybe just check out Richmond a little, or not Phoenix a little bit, Dallas a little bit, Atlanta a little bit. But your excitement is not getting to land in Dallas. It's not getting to land in Atlanta. It's when your feet hit the pavement in Richmond, Virginia. Amen? Because now you're home. I want you to understand something. Paul is telling us that, that, that we're on a layover right now. You understand the language? We're on a layover. This is a layover for us. We're on our way to our true home in heaven. Hello? Amen? It's a hallelujah moment. This is a layover. As bad as the conditions may be, as bad as the environment may be, this is just a layover. We're on our way to heaven. And Paul says, we're excited because we can't get to, wait to get to heaven because of who awaits us. Look what he says here. But we await a Savior. Now, when I was in college, I went to the University of Tennessee. Yes, I do have an education. And I went to the University of Tennessee, and at the end of the quarter, we would begin to get excited about going home. Now, let me ask you a question. Was I excited about going to that building on Castle Road in Memphis, Tennessee? Is that what I was excited about? No. What was I excited about? Because of who was there. My mama was there. My daddy was there. My girlfriend, it wasn't Cindy at that time. I'll tell you that right now. But she was there. And, and I was excited about going home because of who awaited me there. Ladies and gentlemen, do you understand that we're awaiting Jesus? And when we get to heaven, we get to see Jesus. But, but let me flip this little thing on its head a little bit and challenge you to think a different way. Not only do we get to see Jesus, but listen to this, Jesus gets to see us. Come on. We get to see Jesus. But you know what happened when I was getting ready to come home from college? Do you know who was excited to see me? Come on, help me. Who was excited? Mom was. Mom would clean the house and she would bake and she would cook and she would get everything ready. And she would, I mean, when I, I didn't have cell phone then, but she could scent when I was about home. And she'd be out there waiting on me when I arrived. Listen, I want you to understand something. When we go home, Jesus is waiting to meet us. And He can't wait to see us. Linda, He can't wait to grab you, sister, by the hand and say, let me show you what I got for you, Linda. Yeah, man. 
Let me show you what I got. I've been preparing this room for you. Look at these things that I have for you. All these things, these riches, this inheritance, it's all yours. I have been preparing this for you for years and years. I can't wait for all of eternity to show it to you. Man, if that don't get you excited, you need to be dead. We can't wait to get to heaven because who awaits us, but we can't wait to get to heaven because of what awaits us. Because he says, verse 21, he's going to transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things. There is going to be a transformation. All of this is waiting us in heaven because it's there that we're going to experience the fullness of our redemption. Just to give you a little taste, it's in your notes. Our transformation will take place. That's exciting, amen? Some of you need a transformation. I need one. I need some hair. Our fellow brothers and sisters are there. That's exciting. Our home is there. That's exciting. Our inheritance is there. That's exciting. Our treasure is there. That's exciting. Our names are recorded in the Lamb's book of life. There. That's exciting. So my goal this week is that we will be more excited about heaven than we've ever been before. You say, well, you know, pastor, but we got to live down here. See, the problem is we, we've become so earth-focused. We're so focused on the here and now, and I get caught up in it too, trying to make a living, dealing with the stuff that life throws at us, responding to the texts, the emails that bombard us, accumulating the stuff, fighting disease, suffering. And, and, and even if you think about church, you don't hear a lot of sermons on heaven anymore. You don't hear sermons on hell anymore. It's all about the here and now. In fact, if you listen to a lot of the health, wealth, prosperity guys, the best stuff you got is right now. God wants you to have everything right now, right here in this place. You're supposed to have abundance and all these things right now. And and the way to make it sound like is, it's, it's really all about right now. But I'm here to tell you, this is not what it's all about. We're so focused on instant gratification. I want it and I want it now. I want what I want. I want it now. I'll go into debt if I have to get it right now. We want instant answers. We want instant credit. We want instant oats. We don't like delayed gratification. Our minds are set here on this earth. And that's why Paul wrote this. Because look at verse 19 of Philippians 3. Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. They glory in their shame. Because where are their minds set? Earthly things. Oh, you're talking about, Pastor, you become so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. No, when you are heavenly minded, you will be the best person on earth. The problem is not we're too heavenly minded, the problem is we're too earthly minded. I want you to have a heavenly anticipation. But then, thirdly, we've got to close out, it is that we'll also have a greater heavenly awareness. You see, if you joined a caravan or got on a ship with a group of Philippians going back home after months and months, remember back then it didn't, they didn't jump on a plane five hours their home. It was a long journey. So going away meant you stayed away. And if you got onto that boat or that caravan, whatever, and you said, never been to the city of Philippi, what's it like? Those folks, they could tell you. They tell you what the streets look like. They could tell you about the buildings, the structures, the geographic uniqueness 
They could tell you about the trees. They could tell you about the places to eat. They could tell you about the water. They could tell you about the people. Because they knew where their home was, and they knew what their home was like. Paul was excited about heaven. And you got to understand, Paul got to take a little quickie journey there. Remember 2 Corinthians? He was called up into the third heaven, which is the divine heaven, as we're going to discover tonight. He was taken up into the divine heaven. He got a little taste of it. And so he's coming back and saying, man, you need to be excited about it. But see, the problem is, the reason we're not excited about heaven is we have such wrong images of what heaven's like. When I was growing up, there used to be a show, Art Linkletter. Anybody remember him? Oh, yeah. And he used to have a little part in there about the kids, and you say, kids say the what? Darndest things. Yeah, they come up with some wing-dingers there sometimes. And, and there were some kids talking about heaven. And I got some little statements here. Mom, God's so neat, and heaven's supposed to be so great. Could me and Gloria go there Saturday for a sleepover? Little Grandpa Morgan came over to this parents' grandparents' house one day and looked around and said, where's Grandpa? And the mom answered, well, he's in heaven. And she said, still? This is a little stop over there. One little six-year-old, Rachel, prayed, God, they keep telling us you love us kids, but I'm wondering if you know my older brother, do you think he'll ever get to heaven? Some of you prayed that. Here's what I like. Grandma's gonna, gone to heaven, and she'll be happy there because there's a dairy queen everywhere, right? Yeah. When Jenny was four, she asked her mom, does heaven have a floor? Surprised, the mom said, well, Jenny... What do you think heaven is like? She looked up at the sky and clouds and replied, well, I can't see any floor, so I guess people are just up there on coat hangers. Yeah. And then one little girl was talking about to mom about glorified bodies. She said, do you think we'll all look like Barbies? Now here's one that'll get you here. One day my five-year-old grandson, Brett, who frequently went fishing with his dad, told his mother... If Grandma's going to go to heaven with us, God had better have a pretty big fishing rod to haul her in. <laughs> now we laugh because it's kids, but folks, I want you to know something. I don't think sometimes as adults we have a, a better perception or understanding about our home. Imagine these guys have been training to go on a mission to Mars. They're going to be five years on this journey. It's the last day. They're getting ready to get onto the, the ship to travel. And they're gathered in with the reporters. And the reporters are there. And one of them raises their hand and they says to the mission command leader, said, Sir, what can you tell us about Mars? What do you know about Mars? And the commission, commission commander scratches the back of his head. He says, Well, quite frankly, I don't know a darn thing about it. What do you mean, only, I don't know anything about it. I don't know. What do you want to know? It? I don't care. I'll just find out when I get there. You know what we'd say about those folks? So you're crazy. You don't know anything about where you're going. You don't have any understanding of what it's like. You haven't tried to find out about it. But folks, are we any different as Christians? We talk about heaven, but do we really know what it is? Do we really understand what heaven and what it's going to be like? We've got these wrong ideas about heaven. And no wonder people, you know, you'll hear people, oh, heaven's going to be nothing more than a worship service. And if it's like any of the worship services I've been around here, no wonder they say it's going to be boring. Amen? 
We've got this wrong understanding of heaven. So I just want to kind of lay a few, two foundations for us this morning, and then we're going to close out. Number one, heaven is a real place. I want to drive this home to you. Heaven is a real place. Say that with me. Heaven is a real place. It is not a fairy tale. It is not, I have my citizenship in Never Never Land with Peter Pan. Grandma's coming from Never Never Land. It is a real place. But listen to me, many people in our culture today, this postmodern culture, think it is nothing more than fairy tale. Stephen Hawking, the great English theoretical physicist, uh, the author who lived with a motor neuron disease from age 21 till his death in 2018, said, I regard the brain as a computer which will stop working when its components fail. There is no heaven or afterlife for broken down computers. That, listen to his words, that is a fairy tale for people afraid of the dark. But I'm here to tell you, my friends, heaven is not a fairy tale. It's a real place. Here's, listen to what Jesus said. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again that where I am, there you may be also. When I hear Jesus talking, he ain't talking about no never, never land. Amen. He's talking about a place with a house and rooms. When you read the book of Revelation, it's not talking about a fairy tale. It is something that is very real. My friends, I want you to understand, heaven is more real than the very building we sit in today. Heaven is more real than the chart that beats within your chest right now. Heaven is more real than that person that you're sitting next to. Heaven is for real. But I want to set another little foundation. Heaven is present and eternal. You see, we use the word heaven in an all-inclusive way, but I want you to understand when you study the Scripture, heaven speaks of present heaven, and then it speaks of eternal heaven. And there's more to say in the Bible about eternal heaven than present heaven. So let me kind of define that for you, and you're going to say, huh? But this is, will help you to understand the passages of Scripture and what the promises really are. And we're going to dig into the present heaven tonight, Monday and Tuesday, the book of Revelation. But present heaven is the intermediate heaven where believers go when they die. To be absent from the body is to be where? Present with the Lord. We're not talking about a purgatory. We're not talking about soul sleep. We're not talking about limbus or any of those kind of things like that. When we die, we instantly go into the presence of God in heaven. That's why it says we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. When Jesus was on the cross, he told that thief, he said, when? Next year? No, he said, today, right? Did I get, did I get it right? Today, today. Today, you're going to be with me in paradise. In other words, when we die, we don't go to some in-between place called purgatory. We go right into heaven. But eternal heaven is the new heaven and earth that God will create at the consummation of the ages. Turn over to Revelation, because this is going to be our focal text. We're going to dig deep into Revelation 21 and 22. So if you want to understand this, you need to be back. If you don't, then you're going to miss out. But look what it says in verses 1 and 3. Then I saw a new heaven and earth. Verse 1, chapter 21. I saw a new heaven, a new earth, 
For the first heaven and the first earth, this thing we call home now, had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, a new Jerusalem, that's present heaven, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, listen to this, behold, the dwelling place of God, look at this, is with man. See, we look at it the opposite way. Our dwelling place is going to be with God. God says in the new age, the eternal heaven, I'm going to bring heaven to earth and we're going to literally have heaven on earth. Right here. And God's going to be right here. You remember in the Garden of Eden, God came to the garden to walk with the man and the woman. But imagine, He doesn't have to come. He is here. That's going to be the glory of the new heaven and the new earth. It's going to be more beautiful than you can imagine. And it's interesting here that he uses the word new earth, new heaven. If it wasn't going to be like the earth we're on now, he wouldn't call it new earth. What would he call it? He'd call it a new sphere, a new place. Listen, my friends, heaven is something different than you probably ever. And when you understand this, you're going to get so excited what God has in store for us. What God has in store for us. So I want to invite you to be a part of this week because my goal is that you're going to have a better understanding of heaven than you've ever had before. Better understanding of heaven. Because see, when you, get it, when you understand it, you're going to be more excited than you've ever been before. As John MacArthur writes, eternal heaven will be different from the heaven where he is because God's going to renovate the heavens and the earth, merging his heaven with it into a new universe for a perfect dwelling place that will be our home forever. In other words, heaven, the realm where God dwells, will expand to encompass the entire universe of creation, which will be fashioned into a perfect and glorious domain fit for the glory of heaven. Whew. Can I get a whew? Or as my pastor says, say wow. Say wow. Now say it backwards. Yeah. Whatever way you say it, it's wow. It's a wow moment, folks. And I want to invite you to be a part. Tonight we're going to look at the present heaven where your brothers and sisters are gone before now reside. Then Monday and Tuesday we're going to look at the eternal heaven. And then Wednesday night, we're going to look at a deep dive into what it's going to be like for us where. What's going to be like to have resurrection bodies? Hallelujah. No makeup needed. No barbers needed. We're going to have glorious resurrection bodies. They're going to be able to do things that you could never imagine. A redeemed earth. Hallelujah. No curse on the earth. It's going to be a redeemed earth. We're going to have glorious fellowship and rapturous worship. And, and it will be continuous. Hallelujah. But before we close, I want to give a second invitation. And maybe the most important invitation that I give. And that is for you to go with me to heaven. Because I want you to understand something, ladies and gentlemen, because, you know, we live in America. We're all Christians. We're all, well, it used to be that way, not so much now. We're a Christian nation. We raised a Christian church. We raised in a church, Christian family that goes to church. And I talk to a lot of folks 
And you know, you'll sit there and talk to them, yeah, praise Jesus. And then they'll sit there, shut your blank mouth up. All in the same phrase. I want you to understand something real quick. Heaven is not your default destination. Hell is. Did you hear me? Heaven is not your default destination. I'm glad you're an American, but that ain't going to get you into heaven. I'm glad you go to this church, but this church ain't going to get you into heaven. I'm glad your mama and daddy took you to church. I had a drug problem when I was growing up. My mama drugged me to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I had a serious drug problem. But she can't drag me into heaven. She can't get me there. I tell folks I sell insurance. I say, I can get you into the grave, but I can't get you into heaven. Only Jesus can get you there. You see, sin has made a separation between you and your God. But I want to say, second of all, please hear me, hell is a real place. Old Stephen Hawkins said that heaven is a fairy tale, but I guarantee you he doesn't believe that anymore. And he knows, folks, sir, that hell is a real place. Hell is as real as the place you're sitting right now. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's where you're going to spend, listen to me, eternity. And if heaven is so beautiful, imagine how ugly hell is going to be. You hear me? But the good news is hell doesn't have to be your destination. One time there was a debate going on in the Senate. Calvin Coolidge, vice president then, was over... Uh, seeing it, and one of the senators got kind of fiery and heated and said, go to hell, to one of the senators. One of the senators came up to the desk of the vice president and said, did you hear what that man, he said, he told me to go to hell. Calvin just kept flipping through his book. Finally, he raised his old eyes up and he said, I've been looking through the book. There's nowhere it says you got to go. Now, folks, there's nothing here that says you got to go there. It's your choice. Because I want you to know heaven is a free gift. The, the, the price has already been paid for your admission into heaven. It was the shed blood of Jesus Christ raised from the dead as we celebrated last week. He has paid your fare. He has made the way. He has provided the pass. But ladies and gentlemen, He is not going to make you go to heaven. He will not believe in Him for you. It is a decision you've got to make. And my friends, if you don't give your heart to Jesus Christ, if you go out there on that road and you get smashed as flat as a pancake and become nothing more than a greasy spot on the road, if you haven't given your heart to Jesus Christ, your soul goes immediately to hell. So if you aren't convinced this morning that heaven is good enough, then I want you to be back the rest of the week because I, I want to show you why you want to be there. But if you're ready to say yes to Jesus Christ, you can make heaven your destination. Thanks for listening to the Marian Message presented by the Mosaic of Marian podcast. If you would like to know more, you can reach us on our Facebook page or on our website, www.marianbcva.com.